Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. International News Review. Welcome back. Time for our international news review with Steve Oaken. Steve, we were talking about who I look like and Neil and whatever earlier. Who are you? Who have you been mistaken for? Scott Baio. Scott Baio. Yes, I was. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, for those of you watching yes. on Facebook Live, yes, I'm showing the photo of me from high school with yes. my hair down behind my. Wait, we don't have anybody collar. watching on Facebook Live <laughs> <Yes>. anymore. <laughs> joking, joking. <laughs> yes, no, Scott Baio. I you, can see that. You even had the, the center part and the hair feathered back, just like Scott Baio did in the 80s. Uh, everybody, everybody had their hair. But you did, do yeah, look. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I mean, Scott Baio is obviously Italian American. Is there Italian on your side? No, but, yeah, it, it looks a little, but a little Mediterranean. But that okay. was. But yes, Scott Baio, Joni Loves Chachi. Yep. Happy yep. days. Not Scott Baio with his politics of today, no. but the Scott Baio <laughs> of, uh, yeah. of the 80s. He's to me, he was Bugsy Malone. I He's love that film. Slightly off the reservation Great these movie, days, Bugsy Malone. Great okay. movie. Hey, we got to move uh, quickly on. We have a lot to cover today, and, and a story that we hadn't been planning to cover until late last night. Sadly, jailed Russian opposition leader and spokesman, uh, critic of the Kremlin, critic of Putin, Alexei Navalny, uh, died in prison yesterday. And everybody from Joe Biden to everybody else is saying Putin killed him. We don't know that. We don't they haven't released exactly why. But what is the importance of his death to the uh, opposition movement in Russia, Steve? And is there a, a larger, wider importance to it? Well, as, as Brookings uh, summarized, that uh, Putin's goal is to eliminate all opposition to his rule. Uh, it is likely to see an increase of repression after Putin wins re-election, which, of course, is a sure thing, um, and that we're now entering an era that resembles the Stalin years more than anything else uh, that followed since since Stalin died. That's an extraordinary comment, which I, I believe he'll extend yeah. uh, Stalin's lead. I mean, once he gets re-elected, he'll yeah. be in power longer than Stalin was. Wow. Yeah, so this is a huge implications, globally huge implications for people in Singapore, because what is this going to mean in terms terms of Russia and its aggression beyond Ukraine for the killings that are continuing to go on in Ukraine. What is it going to mean for NATO? What is it going to mean for the U.S.? So this is a major, major news event because it is going to have implications well beyond uh, Russia's border. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's worth taking a step back. If we assume that he had a role in his death, you just add it to, remember Prigozhin was essentially yeah. blown out of the sky. Then there was the assassination attempts of Litvinenko and uh, Skripal in England, of course. So he sent agents across to, into different countries, different borders. And that's not even killing the counting the politicians, the businessmen, the journalists, the lawyers. People that have been that arrested have disappeared and disappeared. In yeah. Ukraine, Georgia yeah. and Chechnya. But he's still there. And we know that Putin changed during COVID. Something happened to him. He got caught up in this very romanticized, imperialistic view of 19th century, almost medieval Russia. He's still there. Where does this end? Joe Biden can make comments. David Cameron, the foreign secretary of the UK, can make comments. EU the same. But where does it end? Well, I mean, one, uh, unfortunately, this is going to be worse and worse in Russia. The Russian authorities have arrested more than 100 people who've come out for attending vigils and, and protests following the death of Navalny. And, and I think it was at least eight cities uh, across Russia, including Moscow and, and St. Petersburg. So he's going to clamp down even more in Russia. And the, but the question is, what are other countries going to do? You see a debate in the U.S. right now. Should the U.S. continue? 
continue to fund Ukraine um, in its battles with Russia. And maybe, I'm not holding my breath, but maybe this will give those House Republicans who are blocking the will of the majority of Democrats and Republicans who want to fund Ukraine to get this through. And so will it show the stakes and have more spending out of the EU, more spending of NATO members on their own defense? Mm. Will this bring more members into NATO? So it is going it it shows that there is only one way to stand up to a, a dictator like Putin, and that is you have to meet him with force. And let's see if that happens. Interestingly, an article I I read uh, that the um, that the sanctions have largely not been useful uh, for the West against yeah because they've been bypassed by going to China and others to supply Russia whatever they need. Okay, well let's let's leave that and let's let's bring this dovetail this into the U.S. Uh, Just today, a judge ordered uh, former President uh, Trump and his companies to pay nearly $355 million in the civil fraud case that ended a few weeks ago. Uh, Lots to discuss around that. Is this going to be important for this election year in the U.S., Steve? Well, there's so much happened this week. And, you know, again, to, to bridge in to Navalny, I mean, Joe Biden got very blunt after Navalny's death. He said Congress needs to pass this aid for Ukraine. The tragedy reminds us of the stakes of the moment. History is watching the U.S. House of Representatives. The failure to support Ukraine at this critical moment will never be forgotten. You have Trump, who is... Who, who literally single-handedly shut down the legislation in the Senate that would have given the aid to Ukraine because it also addressed the immigration crisis. And Trump wants to be able to run against Biden on immigration, and he doesn't care if it helps Putin. If it helps him politically and it helps Putin from a geostrategic perspective, that's fine for Donald Trump. And so now we have to see what's going to happen. So you you have the geopolitics coming in, and then you have Trump's criminality coming in. Trump has been found and his, well, actually I should say the Trump organization has now been fined with interest. It's like $450 million for the fraud that they committed in New York. Now this is going to be appealed and he's not going to have to pay these checks for a couple of years, this $450 million, but it is certainly something that is going to continue to drain him. It's something that certain Republicans like Nikki Haley will use against him. So all of this comes together. So you have geopolitics, you have the criminal trials in New York, you have the coming criminal trials in Washington, you have what's going on with the criminal trials in Georgia, and then you have all the politics that are coming in where you see abortion coming up again and immigration coming up again. So there's so much to watch in the U.S. And yeah, there is this common argument that although Biden's age and mental state, which we can maybe touch on, has been talked about. There's still this overriding sense, Steve, that Biden may not be the best of president, but he's the best chance at beating Trump. If that's mm. true, that would suggest that the cult of Trump is hanging over both parties right now. There's no question that this election is going to be about Donald Trump. And it is it is the first time ever. And when when we've done polling, well, we not me personally, of course, but we in the United States have done polling whenever a president runs for reelection. It is a referendum on his term. So when Bush 
ran, you know, against uh, Kerry. It was a referendum on Bush. When Clinton ran against Dole, it was a referendum on Clinton. When Carter lost to Reagan, it was a referendum on Carter. When Bush the first ran against Clinton, it was a referendum on Bush. Polling shows this is going to be a referendum on Donald Trump and not on Joe Biden. And so the question is going to be, do people believe that Donald Trump can do a better job than Joe Biden? And the two issues that voters care about the most right now, well, I'll tell you the top three, immigration, number one, inflation in the economy, number two, crime, number three. Trump outpolls Biden on all three of those. Hmm. But if this election is going to be about what is going to happen to our country, what is going to happen to democracy, what is going to happen to women's rights, with Donald Trump now coming out saying he wants to have a 16-week national ban on abortion. Why did Donald Trump pick 16 weeks? Because four months is a round number, and he likes round numbers. Right? So that is <laughs> what goes into his policymaking. It and would be funny to, if it wasn't so sad. And that's what we're going to have to decide yeah. on. Who, is this election going to be for Trump or against Trump? Because Biden has lost the narrative right now because he is polling so unfavorably. So, Neil, to your, your initial point, I don't know that, Donald, that Joe Biden would be the best candidate to beat Donald Trump. I would throw another spanner in the works because I'm reading that latest polling in the last week or so – Aside from your three issues, they're putting Biden's age and mental capability as their number one concern right now. Is there a possibility to throw another spanner in the works that we could even be talking about a third candidate, someone else who isn't Trump or Biden potentially becoming the next American president? No. You're absolutely certain that because I'm hearing a lot of political commentators saying that this age thing, I know we joke about it and you underplay it, but it's becoming more resonant with American voters. His age and his mental prowess or alleged lack of is becoming a real concern. I don't underplay that that's a real concern and a major issue. I I just underplay that there is going to be some smoke-filled room mm. that the, the party elders are going to come in and tell Joe Biden you must step aside yeah, yeah. or that the Republican elites who have who have lost completely uh, to Donald Trump will somehow coalesce and say, Donald Trump, you are not the candidate to win right now. Anybody yeah. would be uh, yeah. would be Joe Biden. Said you. That's just it's not going to happen. Now, could something happen physically to one of the two of them? It could always happen to any candidate. But absent that, there isn't going to be some effort to remove well, either of them. Yeah, I mean, nine months away from the election, it's just it's too late in the yeah. political cycle to ramp up somebody new. All right, we got we have to carry on uh, from that. And by the way, Steve, your wife Paige has just uh, weighed in on your your doppelganger, and I'll I'll get to that in a minute because I want to keep everybody <laughs> in suspense. Okay, um, where are we going to go? Oh, let's go to Indonesia, right? The elections just happened. Uh, Prabowo is the winner, uh, and th- many people thought there might be a runoff, but there isn't. Let's talk about the business implications. What does that look like? What are investors going to be looking for? What are What is the business community are they going to be in favor of this, or what? What is your take? Well, on where you, we the go? business community has no choice. <laughs> you have to you accept whoever wins, and well, yeah, but and, they can be you know bullish on him or bearish on him, right? Well, I think the, his policies. The thing you look at is they're bullish on the country. Indonesia has so much going for it. It doesn't matter to some degree, which of these three candidates would have won. Because regardless of the three, Indonesia remains a 
natural resources superpower. It remains a country with a young demographic that is growing. It remains a country that is moving into the middle class. It is remains a country that's moving into both a export and a domestic-driven consumption economy. It remains a country that takes advantage, not intentionally, but that, that gets advantage from U.S.-China tensions because now you see more and more investment coming to Southeast Asia that might have gone to China, either because of what China is doing or because of what the U.S. is doing. All of those things are going to accrue to Indonesia's benefit, whether it had been Prabowo or one of the other two candidates who had won. So you're bullish on the macro on Indonesia. Now, anytime there is a change in government, um, there is going to be a change with certain policies and there is going to be a change with certain, you know, officials. And you have to watch that carefully. So well, I was just at a meeting of the uh, Global Private Capital Association that I, I moderated a session on on this. And it's you now you look, you need to know who are the new officials going to be? What are their policies going to be? So certain businesses, of course, might be more impacted than the others. But from a macro perspective, Indonesia remains very attractive. But let's stay with the micro for the next couple of months. Yes, as Glenn says, Proboro has the majority, but his party is currently projected to win only around 13% of the seats in Parliament. So you're looking at some form of coalition, which means backdoor trading, so on and so on. That'll go on for the next weeks, months. Will that create that political uncertainty? Will it concern Mm. investors at all? Okay, so this government doesn't get sworn in until October. Correct. Right? So we've got a very long transition because everybody had thought. You know, the, the Indonesian system, usually you go to a, it's not like the U.S. where you have the election and you have the you right. know, inauguration two weeks, two months later. Here it's a longer period of time because there's quite often runoffs or can be runoffs and there wasn't in this case. So, yes, certain, if you are a, in, in a specific business or a specific sector, you may be impacted one way or the other. But again, from the macro perspective, uh, it is, it is still a bullish environment. But on the micro, you, this is what, what comes out. You better be watching very closely. You want to know who is going to be in the next cabinet. The Indonesian current finance minister, Sri Mulyani, is one of the most respected finance ministers in the world. If she does not stay, you'll want to know who is going to replace her. These are huge huge shoes to fill, and that may change tax policy. That may change finance policy. So you do need to know all of those things. So transitions require diligence, but the the overarching macro is, is positive. I'll say, look, the stock market went up. When when Prabowo won, because now you have certainty, you know who's going to be there. Um, he had the support of the very popular current president, Chikawi. So so there are certain elements that business likes when it comes to certainty. But but you do have to watch closely. We're going to continue to follow that story in our next hour with uh, Richard Borsuk from NTU. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the cultural element. But one cultural juggernaut that we have to discuss that we talked about last week uh, was the Super Bowl, uh, the National Football League, American football game that is played every year in the U.S. And Super Bowl 58 uh, broke TV ratings records, the most in the US. show ever <laughs> in the U.S., 123 million viewers, which is it's not chicken, you know. It's not that's not chump change. That's pretty. That's uh, pretty big. English Premier League gets a billion, but carry on. Well, there yes. we go. Yeah. So, okay, okay, Steve, talk to us about what what the 
cultural ramifications are of this. In the U.S., more people watched this show since Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. That is the only thing. 1969. 1969. That is big. The only thing culturally in the U.S. that beats... This Super Bowl is Neil Armstrong with the first steps ever. Which was last Monday in Singapore, this, by this the way. This particular Super Bowl. This particular Super wow. Bowl. And the this most, is because of Taylor Swift. And it, now why – now that of the top ten shows of ever watched, this is number two. Neil Armstrong was number one. Two through ten are Super Bowls. Wow. Hmm. Number 11 is Nixon resigning. Uh, mm. In the in the Oval Office, so he this this has now bumped Richard Nixon out of the top ten. Wow. Um, okay, why is this one number one of all Super Bowls? It is Taylor Swift because Super Bowl <laughs> viewership was up twenty four percent amongst women ages eighteen to twenty four, mm. up eleven percent amongst females age. 12 to 17, women represented 47.5% of the total audience, an all-time high. That is the power of the two biggest cultural forces in the United States today, the NFL and Taylor (laughs) Swift coming together. Unbelievable. I think they showed her, if if I'm not wrong, nine times. During the course of the game, they, they did pictures of her up in the stands. And many of my friends in the U.S. play a drinking game during the Super Bowl. And this year it was every time they saw Taylor Swift, they had to take a, a drink of my, some something. My daughter knew about the Super Bowl <laughs> only because right? of Taylor Swift. Which she certainly didn't know about it from you. No, God, God, no. <laughs> and, and what has gotten totally crazy about this, and I mean crazy is not an, uh, an understated word here, is we now have one in five Americans yes. believing Taylor Swift is part of a covert effort to reelect Joe Biden. <laughs> they believe that, that there is oh, a mercy. PSYOP mm. run out of the Pentagon mm. that, that, that brought, let's get Taylor Swift to date Travis Kelsey, uh, the, the, the Chiefs, <laughs> you know, MV, you know, soon to be Hall of Famer, uh, tight end, um, and that we're going to bring them together. And then that is what is going to be used to get Joe Biden reelected, because doesn't matter how old he is, it, that, that if Taylor Swift tells her fans, vote for Joe Biden, <laughs> there are enough of them that can swing the election. And that is actually true. There are so many great things about that. The fact that one, you know, twenty percent of the nation actually believes that is both funny and terrifying. Wow. The second thing I love about it is, of course, the game went to overtime, which I believe is very unusual. It's only happened twice in recent years. Yeah, which, which yeah. ever. It was yeah. an amazing game. It was right? a fantastic game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it went into overtime, which plays into the conspiracy theory even more. So now they're alluding what the umpires were involved, the players were involved. It's fantastic. Re- re- referees, referees, yeah. and then the last. <laughs> point is i just love the fact that of all of the things that the republicans are they're supposed to be so tough they've got this tough man persona in their leader but they're terrified of a female pop star i love it <laughs> as they should be and in literally at the white house press conference right or the you know the, the press uh you know the press avail they do every day in the white house with the white house press secretary one of the questions asked 
Will Taylor Swift be coming to the White House with the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> when they come to celebrate the Super Bowl? The, and that, I got to say, it's a legitimate question. Now, the answer the press secretary gave was, well, that's up to the Chiefs. And if they want it, well, the Chiefs can bring whoever they want to bring. But if, if Taylor Swift comes to the White House with the Chiefs to meet Joe Biden to celebrate the Super Bowl, and this happens for every Super Bowl champion— of course, and, and NBA champion and, and World Series champion. Of course, other than when Donald Trump was president, because mm. teams refused to go be with Donald Trump. And most yeah. notably, the Golden State Warriors yeah. would yeah. not go to celebrate at the White House with Donald Trump because they disagreed with his politics. Steph Curry and, despised yeah, him so yeah. much. But in this case, if mm. Taylor Swift comes to the White House and meets Joe Biden, <laughs> And Travis Kelsey proposes to Taylor Swift in front of the president, oh. and the president officiates the, the wedding. <laughs> I made that one up because it's the first time. Oh, I've it's going to be great! Oh and, my God, the, the internet another, would explode. And yet another conspiracy theory. Well, All right, it's going to be more successful than when Scott Bio backed Donald Trump. <laughs> okay, so the, our, our parting shot is your lovely wife Paige uh, messaged me during our who do who do you look like? You said Scott Bio. She Bayo, said Bayo, Bayo, back Bayo. when you started dating, she mistook you for George. Stephanopoulos, who was then the senior advisor to President Clinton and then the White House communications director. She said, literally, when we started dating, Steve was mistaken for George Stephanopoulos all the time. Imagine my surprise when I found out that he, I wasn't dating George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> you were so dating Paige, Scott Bio. You did the best you could, Paige. God bless you. But uh, yeah. there you go. Steve's still a pretty good guy and a good catch, I would say. We all, you know, you have dark hair, dark skin, and, you know, we kind of all look alike. All right. We got to leave it there. Thanks, Steve. Good Thank stuff you. this week, and we will carry on. See you next week. See you next week. Thanks, Bugsy Malone. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.